0: Welcome to the Emotion Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, founder and CEO of the Modern Mind Group. We're dedicated to improving your people skills so that you can have better relationships with others for a much more fulfilling life or career. People skills are not just a nice to have, they're a have to have. So when it comes to organizations as well, this really does impact the workplace and the results that you'll get from that. We're gonna be delving into topics such as emotional intelligence, communication, leadership, workplace well-being, mental health, culture, and performance. I'm gonna be answering your questions on all of these topics and sharing some insights from my career to help you move forward and definitely emotioneer a modern mindset. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel or on the Facebook page as well as LinkedIn. we we'll look forward to connecting with you there. This session is going to be great. It is a motioneering expression with performing arts. And we have, and I'm so excited, iffy Thomas here today. And Iffy is an ex-professional dancer, motivational speaker, and video guru. She is helping people in their businesses to crush it on video so that they can really reach that next level if we welcome to the show oh melissa thank you so much for having me i love the topic i'm super excited well yes and it's why i needed you here as a guest so yeah. that you can help the audience with all of that amazing knowledge that you have as well so tell us about yourself because i know that you've got a backstory with performing arts and that kind of brings you to to what you do now so so tell us a, a little bit about that Oh my gosh, where do I even start? So if we're coming from the angle of
1: performing arts, I started dancing when I was nine years old. Um, I And I got went to the dance hall. My parents took me there with my two sisters. And we danced that day for the first time, being taught routines. And then when, when we left the dance hall, my mum basically spoke to the teacher, dance teacher, and said, do you think that my kids have got any talent? And when they got to me, she was like, well, she's, Sti- very stiff, stiff as a board, um, not very flexible at all, really struggles with keeping in time in the beat and you know um spatial awareness is something that we need to look at as well. you know like overall, you know we're not we're not sure you know <laughs> and um my mom didn't tell me this, but I knew that I was awkward, like really awkward. But I loved the way it felt. I loved the way it felt in my body, doing the steps. And I loved the music. And I knew that sometimes I was behind on the timing. And I knew that like my arm moved a bit later than everybody else's. But I just loved the fact that I had somebody showing me what to do. So anyway, so that was basically my beginning of my dance journey. People not expecting much of me. Um, we'd go to competitions every week. I wouldn't get through. Um, and I just keep trying to get out of the beginner stage. So in, in dancing, I did freestyles. So he had beginners intermediate chance and to become a beginner you need to win you need to be at first second or third three times to move into intermediate and up like that but to get out of beginners I was I I must have done six months of um, competitions and just not made it and my sisters were going up the ranks and in sparkly costumes and and I was still in the leotards and um I remember I remember feeling like when am I ever gonna like progress and I just kept going and going and I got used to it, we're getting no's. I got used to not getting through. Anyway, to cut a long story short, between the ni- age of nine and fourteen, eventually by the time I was fourteen, I was an under sixteen champ. And I'd walk into competitions, and people were like, oh, "That girl's there. That if he's there with their sisters. Oh my gosh, they're there. Meaning we're going to get crushed." Like I started to build a reputation of being excellent, being amazing. You know, if I get, if I'm there, then it's like I'm going to win. You know, and that came from me really just obsessively working on building my body, building my muscles, practicing, training, rehearsals. And I think what's happened is, is as a child, I recon- I recognized what it was like to be so terrible at something, but through keep going and keep persisting and breaking everything down, I'd break every step down and practice at home and and, and I'd put so much effort into it. And eventually when I started to win, I'd it's like my brain had recognized that it doesn't matter how bad you are, just keep going and eventually... You, you will you will be good. And um, it led me to getting a place at the Erdang Academy, which is a prestigious performing arts um, at the time college in Covent Garden. And this is one of the colleges that people now, when I say I've been to Erdang, I was in a shop with my other half and my son in a phone shop. And there's a really tall like black lad. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, you're absolutely, it's amazing to see somebody who's so tall. I said, do you use your height? He was like, yeah, I go to musical, I do musical theater at Hitchin. I was like, oh, wow, I used to be a dancer. I went to Erdang, him and his friend were like, oh, you went to Erdang? I was like, yeah, and they were like, oh. so it has got that kind of name of, it's, it's the place where the best go. And I went there. And so I, I trained there and learned my craft and then went out and had a career performing and it, it was my thing. But the thing about this whole journey with dancing is, People go, oh, you're so good. Oh, my God, you're so amazing. You're so natural. And I I was like, if you could come go back to when I started. In fact, out of all me and my sisters, I was the one that they really thought would probably, it wouldn't be a thing because I was just so bad. But um, I've taken that in my life. And I learned how to build my body, how to understand choreography. And when I left the world of entertainment, when I stopped dancing professionally, moved into the world of corporate, I... I was looking for a life coach, I was looking for a life choreographer, I was looking for somebody to help me choreograph my professional life because in dancing there's always somebody showing you the routine, there's always somebody showing you the steps, you just have to follow them, copy them and execute them in your body the best way you can but when it got to business I just felt lost, like nobody was, I needed a choreographer and um, that's how I kind of moved from the world of um, entertainment, showbiz, into the world of corporate finance.
0: Wow, and what you've been doing there, and now you're kind of using all those skills and the the journey that you've been on to now help people to unlock how they express themselves. And and you're right, people do say things like, "Oh, you're a natural." Oh, it's it, you know, they they're a born dancer. All this stuff. That's as you said rightly in this show, and I'm so glad that you're here to share that story. That is often not the case because you know there's a great book if, if no one's read it it's Angela Duckworth grit the power of passion and perseverance and the story that you've just told me there, I can see you looking for a pen and paper to write that down I'll I'll send you it later if uh but it it is very much about that hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work and it's really about yes. that building on what you've done and, and I love that and it's why you're you're I suppose so good to help other people through that journey and to bring them from that. And, you know, emotion hearing is about bringing people from that fear towards courage, towards confidence is the outcome, right? You're now confident about your skills and abilities because like you said, in that courage zone, you had a choreographer, you had somebody helping you from the nervousness and the awkwardness into the, into the courage of, Oh yeah, actually I can give this a go and get better. Right. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I love what you said. Like, I think that um,
1: work ethic beats talent every single time. You know, it's something I t- teach my children. There's a really good um, equation where it's like IA plus AA times by A equals your individual human potential. So, um, A your AA is your your IA is your inborn attributes, the things that you're born with. Everyone's got natural abilities that we're born with. There's some things that just happen. They're your inborn attributes, but then you've got your acquired attitude attributes the things that you acquire over time the things you learn the things that you gain knowledge and the things that you have the skills with but then if you times that by your attitude meaning your attitude to say no matter how long it takes no matter how hard it is I'm going to do what I need to do if your attitude is right it, it, then you can have that times that together it, it, it makes your inborn human potential there are so many people that had born natural flexibility natural musicality natural and um, spatial awareness but then people really rely on that naturalness. But my work ethic trumped because of my attitude is I am going to make it. I am going to be great. That attitude trumped. um your inborn abilities, your inborn attributes. And the thing is, as young people often say, oh, well, I don't have the talent. I'm not good. I'm not naturally. I honestly use this in everything that I do. You don't have to have any natural ability whatsoever if you're willing to put in the work and you have the vision because then you can create that you can become whoever you want to be and I think that's what that whole journey taught me that it doesn't really matter where you start it doesn't matter how little you have all that matters is what is it that you want how are you going to get there and that is where I get my confidence from because I know no, no matter what it is I want to do with my life no matter where I start my journey if I've got absolutely no no experience whatsoever or a little bit that the thing that's going to determine my success is me is me putting in the time and I'm willing to I always say to myself I'm willing to spend much longer than anyone else doing it you know I'm much I'm much I never think oh I'm gonna write a book oh yeah I want to have it in the next year I'll say I'm gonna write a book and if it takes me 20 years I'm gonna get it done I'm not conscious of the time I'm more conscious about the results so I'm willing to stay at things longer than most people because most people are like haven't made it yet you know haven't
0: made it like well it doesn't matter keep going. Amen to that I totally agree we can change the timeline the goal or the destination doesn't change. So explain how performing, you know, you must have done so many different performances, even when you're on camera, I know that you spent some time in the Big Brother house as well, you know, explain how performing when those cameras are on when the, when the, you know, the, the whistle blows when the, the curtains come up, you know, come up, how does it feel? How does it make you feel?
1: Oh, what a great question. I'm just getting so many like butterflies in my body because I'm thinking about every single scenario that you said. So if we do when the curtain comes up, first of all. As a dancer, training, my favourite thing about dancing is the training. I love training my body. So I'll give you an example. When I first went to the Erdang, we'd go up to the top floor and we'd be practising getting our point. You know, ballet dancers have pointed feet. So the ballet lesson. And at the time, my feet weren't pointed. I had quite well, they call it sickled feet, meaning that when I pointed, they'd like point in, they'd just look ugly, not like beautiful ballerinas feet. And I remember um, Mrs. Pope, her name was, my dance uh, ballet teacher, she'd be like, if uh, we need to work on that art or whatever. So I'd go up to the top of the studio and we'd spend hours working on the metatarsal muscle, which is the muscle that's like, just um, over the top of your foot, like the bridge of your foot. And you build this tiny little muscle and it's, it's a very little muscle, but what it does is, is the tighter you can get it, it pulls your foot into an arch, into a point. If you have a strong metatarsal muscle, then that muscle pulls your foot round. And no one can see when you're working that metatarsal muscle. It's like no one can even see that you're doing it. It just looks like you're standing there. It's so little, but it has such a big impact. So when I started doing that and rec- seeing my, my, me getting a nice point which I still have today, by the way, a beautiful point in my foot. So, wow. So I really understood from that moment that it's about practice and it's about repetition. And as a dancer, we train and train and practice and practice. So if I'm going to be doing a show, you know, on opening night, if I know I want to be able to fully express myself when that curtain comes up I know that the my ability to connect with myself and really enjoy living in the moment where I'm not thinking about where my arm is or where my face is or where my foot is I instead I'm living I'm in a flow a sense of flow the only way I can get that sense of flow which is the my favorite thing this is why I love dancing is the flow when you're unconsciously moving through the air and it feels amazing. The only way you can ever get that flow is to have done the practicing before. So you have to do all the intense practicing, practicing, practicing. So it's built in your body, muscle memory. So you've been there so many times so that the minute the curtain opens, everything that you've learned, you just let go. It just fades away and you just live in that moment and you can't even remember what you're doing it just happens it's like the most highest meditative state I suppose and the way it makes me feel like that my arm is extended and I can feel my arm out and I and it just feels great but if I hadn't practiced when the curtains opened I would feel uncomfortable inauthentic anxious and I'd be afraid So I think the only way you can really get that expression, and that's not just when you are on stage or when you're on video or when you're in a meeting, but when you show up and everyone can see you, you know, there's nothing to hide you. The curtain's up. There's no smoke there. It's just you. You have to know that the minute I open my mouth, the minute I move, the minute I do anything, that it's totally connected to who you are. And you can't connect to who you are until you practice being who you are. So you have to practice in private so you can be celebrated
0: in public practice in private so you can be celebrated in public yes and that right there is the iceberg effect that is why we see brilliance at that top because the people don't see all that hard work and what it takes so absolutely loved that and I can just every part of you expressing that I felt it I really felt it. I know the audience are going to be hearing that and feeling that all that passion, all that hard work and that celebration in what you just said. I absolutely love it. So that brings me on to then. Why do you think people have a challenge to express themselves, whether it is through dance, whether it is through acting, whether it is through being on camera speaking? You know, why do you think that they have a challenge with it?
1: That's a really good question. I think it goes back down to childhood. I think it goes down to events that have happened in our lives. So as children, we come into this world with no inhibitions. The only fears we have is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear that we have, we've developed over time. And, you know, those fears are there to protect us. They've been put into the human mechanism for our survival. You know, the fear of loud noises to protect our ears and the fear of falling. We put our hands out. You know, they do the test of the babies. When you have a little baby, the the uh, who is it? Like the health visitor comes and she holds the baby up and then she lets them go a bit to see if their arms reach out for falling. And um, that that's just because they they need to be they're inborn in us. They're they're there for us to survive. But as children we we often experience times that when we do express ourselves, I don't know, maybe we're crying and parents don't be silly. Well now now what? I can't. Um, it's really sad, but I'm being told not to be silly or I'm. Yeah, no, you'll be fine. Like, every time that um, we, uh, we t- take our children and we um, do not validate their emotions... We don't allow them express themselves. We we try to taper them. We try to control them. We try to hold them back. We say, don't be loud. Don't be too loud. You no, know, don't. Your voice is very loud. You know, you're going to pull attention to yourself. Or you know, um, stop laughing so loud. Or um, make yourself look nice. Or any we criticise our children and we think we're doing it as a way to help them become better human beings, what we're doing is we're saying how you are is not acceptable. Which means that as you go through life and people say express yourself well to express yourself requires you to have unbelievable vulnerability you have to have the the vun- ability to be vulnerable and to know and to have the courage to show up as yourself, but if throughout your life, even if you look through the childhood, you were told not to cry, not to be silly, not to shout, not to express yourself, not to complain, not to moan, you've been told all these things not to do. And then as an adult, you um, go to work, and maybe there's a problem at work that you don't like, and then you go and tell somebody, They say, Oh, that person's a moaning mini, or that person's this, or that person's that. You know, you're, you're constantly being, um, well, every time someone expresses themselves, it tends to a lot of the time be through, through pain or through frustration, but we're told you know get over it get over it get over it so then we tell people to be vulnerable well a lot of us don't even know how to do that because we've worked so hard to um get over it and um hold back those tears that I did really well to hold back the tears I'm like you held back the tears and we, we're supposed to be celebrating that you held back the tears. I cry all the time because I, cry, crying is a form of pain relief and it, it relaxes you. And, and it, I can't leave my tears inside. They need to come out. So I need to express them because if you don't express them, you suppress them. And I think so many people suppress their emotions so that when they decide, oh, I'm going to go on video and tell people why I love my job and why I love my business. Then they then all of a sudden they get this like dangerous beep, 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 don't share too much. <laughs> Yeah. and it's like it's like a, it's a defense mechanism that we've built up which were not built in us when we came into this world we've built up all these inhibitions because of every single time in our lives when we've tried to express ourselves somebody has told us not to so then it just leads to adulthood so the best way to express yourself I I believe wherever you've been is to start at actually um You have to start intentionally doing it. So you have to say, you have to be in a room. And if you start to feel like you're going to cry, you have to let yourself cry. You have to let yourself cry. Or if you feel angry, you have to be like, I feel angry. You have to be able to say out loud how you feel. And and if nobody else can honor those emotions, you validate them. You know, I think it's so important that we validate our own emotions. We validate other people's emotions so that when we want to express ourselves, it's not as scary because we've been doing it, so it's about practicing. Comes right down to practicing.
0: You have to practice to have expression. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we've we've learned not to do something. So it's like learning again. And you're right, absolutely. Suppression is not what we're looking for. Um, because then they're never expressed. I I always say to someone, they're like, Yeah, but hang on, what do you mean? Like if I'm a nurse or something, I can't just go and cry. No, right. But there's a difference between delaying your emotion versus displaying, and then suppression is like another level. Suppression is where you get to the point where you never allow someone to see you upset and that, that which is exactly what you're talking about and then you're not so if you're feeling something you can delay it slightly then come back and have a conversation and say and express that emotion later in a way that's more constructive that's fine um suppressing it and never getting the opportunity to express yourself absolutely it's going to cause you that that exactly what you were talking about iffy so thank you for explaining that for putting your own spin in it to bringing in your own stories absolutely love that In your opinion what do you think holds people back from getting involved in performing arts because we know that it helps to express ourselves it helps us to get more connected with ourselves what do you think holds people back?
1: Oh my gosh the thing that you're asking me this question right now in this pandemic is really important because before post-pandemic lots of people have this idea they say i'm going to be a singer well you, well you can't make a living out of that i'm going to be a dancer well, you can't make a living out of that i'm going anything that is not academic is very much frowned upon as not being something like a viable choice you know the amount of people that said you want you're going to dance yes yeah but what are you going to fall back on nothing like dancing is the thing i want to do yeah but that's how are you going to feed your family what are you going to do when you get older you know so i think that um Many people who choose or who chose to go into the world of performance have had to have real levels of deep confidence. Anyone who is doing this as their job, is, it's against the naysayers. It's, it's because you knew that it's the only thing that you could do. And I think many people, they come out of a performing arts college or they come out of a dance school or they... And they go for the first audition and they don't get it and then they don't do it. And I think that's the thing. We're we're so quick to go, oh it didn't work. And it's not it's about not being able to have the support people around you to believe that this can be your thing. Imagine you're David Beckham and you're um you love football and you're you spend hours doing kick ups outside and then One of your school teachers says, Yeah, we know you're good at football, so let's leave that. Let's get on, work on your English. Imagine if his mum said, Yep, David, no more football practicing, we're going to be doing English after school. Like, no, his parents were like, This is going to be your thing because you love it. Sod the English. Let's get you excellent and niche into your thing. Now, I think it's about having people who believe in you, who believe what you believe and who are willing to support you so that you can do the thing that you want. Now we're in the pandemic, which has been terrible. It's been a really challenging time for so many performers. And these are my friends. These are my confidantes. These are people that I I, I was one of them. And to see them struggle, and you know, you absolutely 100% know that there'll be people I have like, I told you shouldn't have done that It weren't a safe career. You know, there's people who, the, the guy who plays Scar in The Lion King, this was going back eight years, nine, maybe ten years, he was on £1,000 a night, a show. You know, these performers, when you are the best and you make it and you get a really good gig, you can get paid very, very well. But in between those gigs, you might not get paid well. But dancers and performers, we're willing to not get paid well, to do the thing that we know we were here for. But when the pandemic hit, it wiped out so many people. And there would have been people who said, I told you so. And then the people who never followed their dreams would have said, oh, I'm so glad I went to uni and did graphic design instead of continuing being a performer, because look, this would have happened to me. But then at the end of the day, if you get to the end of your life and you haven't done the thing that you're put here to do, then who is the person who's the one who's lost out? Because I believe to be a performer and to put yourself in live in a tiny little flat that you can't even afford and chase you know taste payment after payment you do a gig and then you get paid three months later you're doing that it's not for the money it's for the love of the expression and the art and these people have been my are my favorite people when I'm hanging around with performers and dancers that I love it is so pure it's like they know who they are and they know what they're here for so um A lot of people don't do it because of fear, fear fear that they're not going to have something to fall back on.
0: So so true and I also I know that we spend a lot of time in clubhouse rooms together and I also heard you on a stage recently talking about you and it's interesting you brought up Lion King you want since being Lion King and you associated it with um one of the best things that you've ever pieces of advice that you said about how many times you should do something Uh, can you elaborate on that for, for the audience? Yeah
1: absolutely um so when I when I trained on the last year of my training, I did a show called *Pearly*, and it's like a black musical show, and I loved it. And there was a few people from my dance college, and there was one guy there called Aaron Morgan. He's the year below me, but we both got in the show together and were sitting in the changing room on the opening night of the show *Pearly*. And I said, "I really want to be in *Lion King*," and he goes, "Me too." I said, "I'll play Nala," he goes, "And I'll play Simba," and we said, right We made a pat then. This was 2004. I said. I'm going to play Nala, you're going to play Simba. Yes, let's do it. We're going to get in that show because we've, we've identified it's the best show in the world. We love the music. So we said, okay. And then there's another lady in the cast called Irene Forrester. And she was in Pearly. And she goes, I would love to be in The Lion King too. She goes, I would love to play Rafiki. You know, and we were like, yeah. So this is 2004. Anyway, we did the show. The show finished when we went all went off in our own merry way, yeah? 2013. I get a call from the director of the musical Pearly, a guy called Omar Okai. And he rings me and he says, "Iffy, I just want to, um, I just want to chat to you. And I'm like, I haven't spoken to you in about three years. Thinking, has he got a show for me? <laughs> that, like that was my first thought. Why would he be ringing? And he said, Aaron has passed away. And I said, what? He said he was in a car accident and he passed away. He's gone. <sighs> that. I pushed my chair back. I cry for days. And the thing is, Aaron is the guy that I made the fact with. I'm going to be gnarly. He actually had spent the last eight years prior to passing as the dance captain of Lion King. He was in charge of who got the jobs. And Irene had spent that last eight years. So it took him about seven years. So for took them about five years to get into the Lion King and and then become the dance captain. And then Irene as well, she she was Rafiki in the Lion King, the show, they're both in the show together. And the only person out, the three of us who made that part that wasn't there was me. Them two had done the thing that they wanted. I was sitting at a desk, talking to accountants, building my corporate business, the National Accountancy Network, thinking that I was good, I had a nice car, nice house, children. And in that moment, that moment, I literally cried and I said to my other half, I'm closing the business down. I said, if I was to die, if my life was to go, I haven't fulfilled what I'm here to do. I said, Aaron, he did the thing that he set out to do. And he did more than just become like Simba. He became the dance captain, the person who decides, basically. He he lived out his goals. And what am I doing? I was so afraid to audition. I auditioned maybe the first four years with him like and then I didn't go back for the fifth year and audition and even when he got in I stopped speaking to him because I couldn't bear to see that he was doing something that I wanted to do in fact every time I saw him it reminded me how I hadn't done it and every time the audition come suddenly I get a sore throat I couldn't sing I'd get a twinge in my leg I literally imposter syndrome I was so afraid of getting the no that I stopped auditioning and the lesson to this is is that I made a decision when he passed away. I'm never going to not do something because I'm scared that I might get a no. And the best advice I learned was from my friend, my best friend, Chrissy. She said to me, when I wrote my book, I said, to her, no, this book's amazing. Nobody's. I've sent it to Hay House, and they wrote back and said that it's amazing. They love it, but they can't publish it because it's too much in line with another person I said I've emailed it to this person they said no and she goes how many people have actually said no to you I said "Loads." she was like how many I was like so I went through my emails to see the rejection emails and the letters and there was five and she goes well Mariah Carey got turned down by 19 different record labels before she became Mariah Carey because there was already Whitney Houston so everyone kept saying we don't need another Mariah Carey we've, we don't need another Whitney Houston Mariah Carey we don't need you we've got our black princess gospel pop singer so mariah carey it took 19 labels before she got signed and now we all know mariah carey um and then with dk rowling with her book 28 different publishers told her no 28 publishers told her no we don't care about a story about a little wizard boy who goes to wizard school that's rubbish but yet now look at her she's like one of the she's the first billionaire or something ridiculous like female billionaire she is she's just change the world and the way we read literacy 28 people told her no and my friend was like you've had five until you've had a hundred no's don't come back to me until you've had a hundred no's so I went on a mission and I ended up getting 32 no's and then got my 33rd was my yes my book's now published in a bookshop and um I'm selling it probably while I'm sitting here Um, and my point is is that it it took me to understand that no doesn't mean no. No just means not right now. And you just have to get those hundred no's and do not quit. And now I've never actually got a no, hundred no's because normally I do it and it's about like 30th, 40th, sometimes the seventh. And I'm like, oh, that was a quick yes. You know, so I think if you go with the mindset, of oh, if I really want to do it, I'm willing to do it for as long as it takes. And until I've had 100 definite people who said, no, it's rubbish we hate it, we don't want it, a hundred people say that, you can't quit, you got to keep going, because one day, you might leave this earth, and you might not have done the thing that you wanted to do, because you're afraid that, that people are going to keep saying no, so yeah, that's what, that's the lesson I learned.
0: Wow, Ify, you just took me and the audience on an amazing journey, that I was, when I asked you that, I was not expecting that story you have just given the most amazing motivational story on this podcast that was absolutely amazing I got a lump in my throat I'm sure other people did. And I was right there with you. I was there with you and your friends. And then I was there with you, um, you know, through the news and then how you turned things around and and how you've used that pain and used that kind of, you know, experience to kind of drive forward in your business. I just want to say well done to you and, and thank you ever so much for being here to share that story today. I was not expecting it. Absolutely. So powerful. Thank you so much. So, Three points to mastering self-expression. So, if you, you know, some someone is out there now, you are the guru to the video and they're calling to to self-express and and to really bring themselves. What what three points would you tell them?
1: Okay, then, great question. I would say the first thing is to do if we're talking about getting yourself out on video, which is my thing. I'd say film yourself in your natural environment, just talking. If your husband or wife or child comes in and says, mummy or daddy, say, oh, let me just get the camera out and just film yourself just talking and then watch yourself back. Watch yourself back, even though it's absolutely cringy and uncomfortable to watch yourself back and hear your voice watch yourself back and look at yourself and you start saying, what do I like? What, what parts of me remind me of me, the me that I know and really use that to, to observe yourself. I found that's been one of the most powerful things I could do. And I was somebody who couldn't watch myself back. When I went into the big brother house, 11 years ago, I went into the big brother house and I was 24 or something ridiculous. And I went into that house and when I came out, I couldn't I didn't watch one episode back like my mum was like I've got them all recorded I was like feeling sick like I I don't even want to I don't want to watch any of it back I don't want to see how I've been edited I don't want to hear my voice I would you know it made me feel absolutely gross I just didn't want to so I never actually watched any of the episodes back any of them um I never tried to read the papers because even when I heard my voice it made me feel like I wanted to be sick because it's so uncomfortable so um I refuse to but in 2014 um I I've thought to myself I I really would like Oprah Winfrey to discover me like I had that like thought one <laughs> I was like do you know what when Oprah Winfrey gets you know really old all this stuff she's got she's gonna want it to continue maybe she she'd be looking for someone to pass the baton to you know you never know and that could be me, You're like, this is me. <laughs> and that could be me. I could continue with her legacy. But how would she find me? And I, I just had this moment, this light bulb moment, like, how would I refine me if she was looking for me? She was looking for a British black female to carry on her legacy, you know, when she's 90. How is she going to find me? Because I'm not online. You know, I don't ever put myself out there. So how would she find me? And then with that thought, like, Oprah won't be able to find me. So like, right, I need to do a video. I've got to do a video talking about what I care about. And I was really into talking about how the power of words, the words that we say to our children, the words that we say to ourselves. I just discovered the whole, I like myself, I like myself. These affirmations that Brian Tracy had suggested that you say every day. And I was going through this, like, real transformation because I had my children. So anyway, I was like, I'm going to do a video. And I'm going to do a video. Um, and it's going to be about... Um, Oh, I can't remember what it was now. Something like about your words are powerful, you know. Or, or, oh no, we have to um, teach children mindset in schools. That was it. Mindset training for children in schools. So I did this video. Where I was standing on a podium, and um, I was like talking about how important it is to get mindset into schools, teaching children about the subconscious mind, yada yada yada. And then I got a videographer guy to come and film me. Um, he did it, and then I was like, I'm going to upload it on New Year's Eve because. Then that would be a good way to start. So as it got to uploading on New Year's Eve, I uploaded it. Then I, then I, it took the ages to press upload. And then I deleted it. Then I uploaded it. And I edited it. Then upload, and I did this whole thing like 10 times, kept editing and thinking, well, what's someone going to say? What if someone comments about that? Let me edit that so they can't comment. Overthinking it massively. Anyway, uploaded that video, went to bed. And I was in bed and my stomach was churning, I was feeling sick. Well, someone's questioning who I am, you know, this ex-dancer, what's she talking about? You know, i get up the next morning and not one person had even watched the video on YouTube. So I was like, oh, okay, so let me watch it back and let me watch myself. And the more and more I watched myself, the the less I became uncomfortable. And then what I did was, well, that's 2014. 2015, I did a video every day, a 90-second video every single day on um instagram when you could do 90 seconds like it was just the 90 second video that i just do and um or was it one minute i can't remember six seconds so i just did just kept showing up and then maybe after about a year i could finally watch myself but but now i tell people to go on stories make stories and watch yourself back so my first tip is sorry for the long-winded whole all about i'll make the others much quicker first tip is Film yourself, watch yourself back, force yourself, even if you have to hold your eyes open like this and be like, I'm not going to not, like, somebody want to look away, look at yourself, listen to yourself, turn the volume up, get used to yourself. That's the first tip I'd say about expressing yourself. And the second thing is I'd say that when you are talking to friends and family, really watch to see how they react when you speak. When When do they lean in? When do they ask more questions? When do they clarify? Because when you... I start to pay attention to the people around you and how they are communicating and interacting with you when you're speaking <clears throat> sorry i was just suddenly lost my voice and um, when they interact with you when you're speaking what you can do is you can say these are prop these are popular topics these are popular conversations these are things that get people's juices flowing These are the things that I'm going to talk about more about and go deeper about. So that's, so you've got the first thing is watch yourself back and listen to yourself back. Second thing is watch other people and how they react when you tell stories. And the last thing is when you express yourself, I would say, um, this, I would say it's about building your core. Muscle, which is your self esteem, I think it's about the way you speak to yourself. That you can't, nobody can love you more than you can love yourself. Everything that you have inside you, you can give, but you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't love who you are, then it's really hard to love other people. And people go, What? But I love my children. Yeah, but you can only love them with what you've got. You know, if you've got a tiny little bit in you, then that's all you're going to give your kids. People say, Oh, you know, I had a really terrible childhood with my parents. I say, Your parents loved you with everything that they had. They just might not have had much to give. So if you learn to love yourself so much that you're overflowing, Oprah Winfrey says, um, you need to fill your cup up until it runs over, you have to fill yourself up, you have to build yourself up and that's by looking in the mirror and seeing yourself and saying I like myself, I like myself, I like myself, this, these three words I like myself changed my life I mean it is the number one catalyst to who I am now because I went through my life telling myself I hate myself, you're ugly you're stupid, just this, I spent so much time putting myself down as a young person, I actually I made it my mission to tell myself off, thinking That by the worse I spoke to myself, the better I'd become. Like I'd force myself into being better. No, no, no. So when I learned, actually, the words that you say to yourself, the kind words you give to yourself, means that you can fill yourself out and then pour onto other people. When you have a full tank of love, self-love, do you know what happens? You can express it. You can just flow it through the cameras. Express yourself. Yeah. You can just (laughs) express yourself because it's like... It's impossible for me to leave my house and meet a human being and not want to get to know them, not want to say something kind to them. I was at the petrol station with my children. This woman walked past. I thought, blooming, hell, she's stunning. She's just floating past the car. And I was just about to drive off, and I was like, I can't drive off without telling her how amazing she looks. I was like, excuse me. She was like, yeah? Thinking, what, have I left my something on? And I said, you look absolutely stunning you just look breathtaking and she was like thank you and I know yes it's gonna make her day good but it made me feel good that I could get it out because I had to it was in me it was drowning me I was choking on all my love but like I had that and that's what happens when you really love yourself you can't keep it in because it it, it actually it chokes you you Drown in your own you know and you can't and I don't want to drown in it I want to be able to pour it so I literally pour into people and it's not just because I want them to feel good it's because I actually cannot survive without pouring because I will then choke
0: yeah yeah you are pouring into me you're pouring into the audience without a doubt we haven't got much time left if so quick one Three dream guests at your dinner party, just off the top of your head. Just tell me their names.
1: This is so hard. Okay. At different times of my life, it's different people. But right, right so now, who would it be today? Today, Shonda Rhimes. Shonda Rhimes is the television producer, um, writer, screenplay writer of Grey's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Murder, Scandal, and Bridgerton. Her brain is amazing. I've got a massive girl crush on her. I love. I just love. I would love to be in a room okay. with. This. So her, Shonda Rhimes.
0: Oprah Winfrey. It, well, yeah, we've mentioned her a few times. Awesome. Yes. Why not? Next one. Oh, this couple. Okay. Just for today. Martin Luther King. Oh. <gasps> what a dinner party you would have oh finishing it on a strong one there Iffy. absolutely and uh, it'll be a whole other podcast if we go into why but look on that note <laughs> you you have given us so much you have shared your knowledge shared your genius with us how can people get in touch with you how can they reach you oh thank
1: you so much for having me here it's been absolutely emotional and therapeutic and wonderful so if anyone wants to reach me you can find me on instagram under iffy thomas so it's just i f -F for freddie e and for echo iffy thomas on instagram or you can find me on clubhouse which is my favorite place to be right now and uh, we can have
0: conversations yes which is where we met and i absolutely am so glad i did go oh I've
1: got a website, a new website. I finally bought my own domain name, you know? Woo. Yeah. You can find me at ifbythomas.com. Whoop, whoop.
0: You own that girl. You own it. It has been absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for emotioneering with us and uh, I look forward to hearing all the feedback from the audience. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Emotioneering podcast with me melissa curran today it's been great remember to subscribe to facebook linkedin youtube or all three you can also come to the website modernmindgroup.com where you can subscribe there stay in contact and let us know what you really think give us the feedback this is going to get better by knowing what you think uh has this given you food for thought has it helped you change something what has it inspired let us know because that's why we're doing it It's all about the people, people, people. (laughs) Have a great day and ciao for now.